Hi, friends. Welcome back to Nate Talks to His Friends About Jesus. All right. Now, this week is our last lesson in Psalms. And, dude, I got to be real with you. I've had just about my fill of poetry, which is not a super good sign because we're just about to enter the prophets, which are just jam-packed with poetry. So, yeah. Anyway, this is the last section of Psalms. Um, this last section of Psalms from Come Follow Me contains the last book of the five separate books, that how Psalms is generally divided. So it has the last section there, and it has the conclusion. Well, the last section of the, the book of Psalms, right, the last book of book of Psalms starts in um, Psalm 107. And Psalm 107, like we said, is the first Psalm of the final book. And it has this refrain, or this repeated phrase, this repeated idea that happens over and over throughout this psalm. And it's kind of going to be the theme for our lesson today. Uh, You can find it in section 107, Psalm 107, verse 8. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. And then it goes on to detail all the reasons we have to give God thanks, to live with gratitude, to to be excited about his unfailing love and his goodness. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Like we may go back and forth, we may fluctuate, but he's going to be steady. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Oh man, what a good practice. Like if you have been born again, if you have been transformed by the grace of God, when was the last time you told that story? When was the last time you thanked God for that story, for that shape, right? Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, meaning Satan, right? Those he gathered from the lands, like how has he brought you in? What is your story? Write it down. Tell somebody today. From east and west, from north to south, some wandered in desert wastelands, right? finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty. Their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. You've been there. I've been there. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfieth, satisfies the thirsty. He fills the hungry with good things. Let me tell you this, I'm a believer. Dude, some, some of you are locked up in a scarcity mindset where, where you, you feel like there's just never going to be enough. I am telling you there will always be enough because God is enough. He will satisfy your thirst. He will fill your hunger with good things. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plan of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. He let them have the fruits of their actions. And they stumbled. There was none to help. Then they finally came to their senses and they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, for his wonderful deeds for mankind. So that's where we start today. And, and hopefully you're recognizing, I don't know that I'm going to spend a lot of time explaining here, the purpose of poetry here in Psalms is to get you to feel something, right? 
Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty. Like that's getting you to feel this sensation of loss and despair and the relief that comes when we call upon the Lord. Ask and ye shall receive. If there is something you need in your life right now, ask for it. God wants to fill you up with good things and give thanks to him for his unfailing love. Later, in Psalm 118, it covers a similar sort of ground. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me to a spacious place. The Lord is with me, and I will not be afraid. Dude, okay, time out. I know I said I wasn't going to comment this much, but how wonderful would it be if your brain was shaped by that phrase, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Like that it is proven that you can reshape the neural structure of your brain, what the neurons that fire together wire together. What if you repeated that mantra over and over, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Like what if you were reshaped in the image of that faithful countenance? I think there's some powerful things there. Dude, there, there's so many in, in Psalms that you can use as a mantra, you can use to shape your faith, you can use as a prayer to God. Here's another one. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind and give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Now, If this is true, if it's true that God's love endures forever, then how the authors of Psalms see that love being manifest is important to discover. How do they they say that God shows his love to people? Well, one of the ways the authors of Psalms show God's love is found in Psalm 132. And Psalm 132 promises that one of David's descendants, Jesus, will one day rule this earth and it, the, the world will be so different under his power. This is one of the ways that God shows his love, probably the biggest way. It says in verse 11, it talks about the, this, this promise. It says, The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation and her faithful people will sing, will ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. Everything that Psalm 132 just says is what the, the Latter-day Saints hope for. This is the church of Jesus Christ of latter-day saints. 
in our title, it is this hope for the coming of Jesus Christ. It's saying that the days are coming down when he will come and make this his resting place forever and ever. That he will sit on his throne and provide abundantly for his people and clothe them in salvation and crown them with a radiant crown. Jesus is coming. He's coming to wipe away every tear, to conquer every fear, to help you let go of every doubt and crush the enemy beneath his heels. It will just radiate joy. It will flow through you. And honestly, no reason why you can't start now. He's already made a covenant with you. You just open the door, right? Just let that love flow through your heart. You don't have to be good enough for it to happen. You only have to be willing. Another way God's unfailing love is manifest is found in Psalm 110. It's basically the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Here, David teaches in verse 4 that the Lord has sworn, I will not and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, this is a pretty important phrase. This is one of the ways that God shows forth his love and one of the reasons we should be grateful. So let's break it down. What does he mean that the order of Melchizedek? Now, an order is a fellowship and fellowships are meant to act to protect the members of their order, to assist one another in in maintaining certain standards, and it acts as a united body for the benefit of the whole world. So, The order of Melchizedek is not so much something you receive as a club that you enter. And now we've talked about this before, but our first reference to this order comes from Genesis in the Joseph Smith translation, uh, where it says that Melchizedek was ordained and high priest after the order of the covenant, which God made with Enoch, it being after the order of the Son of God. In other places in scripture, this order of Melchizedek, this club, this family, this fellowship is called the Holy Order, the Holy Order of God, the High Priesthood of the Holy Order of God, the Order of His Son, the Holy Priesthood after the Order of Son of God. So we talk so much about receiving the priesthood, but here it's talking about entering into the priesthood, men and women included. So how does one enter into the priesthood order? Well, we receive the Melchizedek priesthood ordinances of the Holy Order. If that's not clear enough for you in scripture language, we enter into the order of Melchizedek when we participate in temple ordinances, particularly the Melchizedek priesthood ordinances of endowment and sealing. And this is both true for men and women. When we make Melchizedek priesthood covenants in the temple, we enter into the order of Melchizedek. And have the privilege of receiving all the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, as it says in Doctrine and Covenants 107. Well, we have the privilege when we're entered into this order of Melchizedek of having the heavens open to us. To commune with the, the church of the firstborn. To enjoy communion in the presence of God the Father and Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. I don't know if there's any bigger promise here. Why should we give thanks to God for his loving kindness? Because he is restored again priesthood to the earth. He has opened up the ability for us to go to the temple and enter into this Melchizedek priesthood order so that we jointly together can go back to God and commune with God. As we we participate in the temple and work to come into communion with God, uh, as we seek to come into the presence of God, uh, or Jesus, I'm saying, 
were transformed by the temple process and this life system. Like it says in the Joseph Smith translation of Hebrews 7.3, For Melchizedek was ordained a priest after the order of the Son of God, and all those who are ordained under this priesthood are made like unto the Son of God, abiding continually. So, back to Psalms. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. And again, I'm saying one of the biggest ways that this happens is through the restoration, allowing us free and open communion with God by participating in priesthood rituals and coming into the way of life he has prescribed that will help transform us and help us come into communion with God. Now, today isn't a super long one, but let us take a look at one more psalm. Psalm 119 gives us one more reason to give thanks to God for his goodness. Um, because of the, the night light uh, that shines in the darkness of the world. It's the scriptures, the scriptures he has given us that, that shine. And, and Psalm 119 is a big old giant love poem to the scriptures. And somebody went through a lot of trouble to write it because it's an acrostic poem, which means that, that the stanzas each begin with the successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It's an alphabet poem, A, B, C, D, E, except from Hebrew, doesn't match in our English, um, but it's a really carefully crafted um, poem. And um, so anyways, it's crazy intense. But what they want you to see in this psalm is, is that the scriptures are a powerful way for you to absorb God's love into your life. Like it says things like in verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Your statues are my delight. They are my counselors. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. Take away the grace that I dread. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. So there's this idea that as you carefully spend time with the word of God, that you'll be transformed in the process. It's not like we we so frequently read the scriptures thinking, okay, next steps. I got to make these goals and I got to do better at this. And then we get to the end of the day and we, we live and we're flawed and we just whip ourselves and flagellate ourselves because we haven't lived up to this little checklist that we've created. This is not how it's described here in the book of Psalms. It's saying, start to enter into this communion with God through being with him in the words and your understanding will become broader and your commitment will become more firm. You'll become closer to him and happier and more connected. And you'll feel that you'll feel more protected by him. You'll feel more hope. It will just naturally happen. Stop trying to force it so much and just let it naturally come about. So here in Psalms, we have reason to love God, right? To reason to give thanks. It's kind of like a, a Thanksgiving thankful list. It might be worth your time to create your own reason to praise God, 
to sit down with your phone and your notepad or uh, a piece of paper and say, what evidence do I see of God's unfailing love in my life? They said things about Jesus and about how God provides for them. They talked about the hope of the coming of Jesus Christ. They talked about the temple and participation in priesthood ordinances. They talked about the scriptures. But that's just the start. What reasons do you have to give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind? I want you to take some time today and let this be part of your scripture study. And I want you to make a list of all the ways that you see God's unfailing love manifest in your life. They'll surprise you. God will teach you. The Holy Ghost will come. What reasons do you have to give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for you? In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.